Hi, this is Gary LaRue of Microwave Journal. On today's Frequency Matters podcast, a conversation with Mikhail Oberg of Ericsson. We're going to discuss the findings and the latest update to Ericsson's Microwave Outlook report. Mikhail, welcome. Hello, and thank you for having me here, Gary. To start, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and your role at Ericsson? Okay. So my, my background is uh, I've been working with uh, in Ericsson for or since 1994. I've been working in the microwave fixed service industry uh, for the whole time. Uh, started as a microwave engineer, uh, actually, and uh, then I have had uh, different roles uh, in in our organization. And nowadays, since 2005, around that time, I've been working with product management, uh, strategic product management in the in our Minilink portfolio in, within Ericsson. Very nice. So you have a good history. I'll I'll test your history knowledge. Uh, see if my recollection is correct. My sense is that the use of microwave radio for backhaul really tracks the development of mobile radio starting around 1980. Is that timeline about correct? Uh, in 1980, a good question. So, so of course, yeah, we started. I think the the the, the mobile backhaul started in the GSM era. I would say with 2G. And then uh, were accelerated from that. So I would say that in in the nineties uh, we started to to really uh, increase uh, the market sort of uh, in in microwave fixed service for mobile backhaul. Okay, so that's a good thirty years. So thirty years hence, how would you say backhaul capacity has evolved to support the latest uh, generation of mobile, which is five G now? Yeah, it's it has been a, a tremendous increase of capacity, I would say. So it's um, starting with two G and so on. Then, then we talked about backhauling of of uh, a couple of E ones or DS ones, if if he's using Enhance. So it's um, comparing to today, where we have um, a couple of gigabit per second speed at least to towards a uh, base station today, or even beyond up to ten gigabit. I would say. Right. So we've seen a proliferation of licensed bands to support microwave radio from 6 gigahertz roughly to more recently E-band. What would you say are the trends in spectrum usage? Yeah, I would say that that uh, when it comes to spectrum usage, uh, the, it's a clear trend to use uh, the new band, uh, E-band, as you say, which is in the order of 71 up to 86 gigahertz uh, range. Um, and, and why that is because it's first of all it, it has been a free and uh, new band in in many places around the world so unused so it's easy to get a channel if you like secondly it's uh, you have very wide channels as well so you can do a, a very high capacity single carrier link sort of so it's it's quite cost efficient from that perspective as well and then thirdly uh, in many countries also from a from a spectrum cost point of view, it's also attractive uh, compared to other spectrum bands. So you mentioned the channel bandwidth, uh, which of course supports higher data rates. Yet my sense is that uh, all the other bands or usage of other bands are not migrating to E-band necessarily. So how is E-band being used with the uh, lower frequency bands in concert with them? So first, E-band is... 
is used in many cases as a standalone sort of uh, when then, then we talk about short range communication within uh, maybe three, four, five kilometers, depending on uh, the rain zones where you are in the globe, sort of. Uh, but then when, when you combine uh, an E-band uh, in other longer link ranges, for example, where, where you have uh, high fading due to rain uh, on E-band, then, then you can protect the, the capacity sort of in heavy rain by having a lower frequency band in parallel to the E-band. And that is what we within Ericsson call, call a multi-band booster link. And usually we see uh, combining E-band together with, for example, an 18 or 23 gigahertz links works very, very fine. And in Europe, for example, having link ranges uh, of 10 kilometers or beyond that uh, I was, that's what we see today, yes. So E-band is preferred, obviously, because of the data rates, but uh, you get higher reliability by having redundancy with lower bands. That's correct. The, the rain attenuation, that increases uh, with the frequency band, so compared to 18 gigahertz. So it's, you will have a higher availability on the, on the 18 gigahertz, but you will have the high capacity with the E-band sort of, so you are boosting a link with a high capacity. Got it. So now that we're, um, I won't say post-pandemic totally, but we're coming out of the pandemic, and have been attending trade shows that seem to be coming back. I'm noticing that a lot of the test and measurement companies are announcing systems with capabilities above 100 gigahertz to uh, W and D band. Do you expect these bands to be tapped for point-to-point radio? Yeah, that is uh, how we see it. Um, so these these are are also then untapped bands, as you say. Um, we believe it's it's uh, vital bands for the fixed service microwave. When, for example, uh, when the E band spectrum is more congested, we need more bands. Uh, we have D band that can provide maybe even wider channels and even higher capacity, sort of. So it's it is um, it is uh, important bands for us, but also we have. For sure, other industries also having an interest into these bands, like uh, the 6G uh, radio access is also then considering these bands. So there would be some spectrum sharing, presumably. Uh, let's see how exactly how it will be. Right? <laughs> a lot of interest of these bands, of course. Yeah, we have about a decade, I think, for all this to kind of uh, sort itself out. Do you have any sense of uh, timing on the use of uh, D-band or W-band? Yeah, from from an Ericsson side, we we say that um, we see the E-band is coping very well today. Still, uh, not really an issue to get more channels and and, and increase the capacities into those bands. Uh, so we see that uh, that likelihood is around 2025 and beyond. Uh, then we will see an increase of those bands. That makes sense. Let's go back to the lower frequency bands for a moment. Um, Obviously, because of the channel bandwidths there, they have limited capacity. Talk about some of the techniques that are being used to increase the data rates in these uh, lower frequency bands. What can be done there? Yeah, um, very good question. So so, um, there are different ways, of course, to, to increase the data rates. And, and and we we tend to say that um, 
start try to get uh, a wider channel if, if that is possible. Uh, so then that will be one first option. Increasing modulation schemes is also one of the things that you can do. If that is not possible, then we, we have the ability to, to add more carriers. You can add carriers in, this, in the same band. Uh, you can use the other polarization. Uh, so what in the microwave industry, we say they go from, for example, one plus zero into two plus zero. That is from one carrier to two carriers. And then we, we have what we call a railing bonding mechanism to make that as one pipe to make it more efficient. So that is other steps to do. So you can increase the number of carriers. And, and then if you're in, in a situation where you are, for example, not finding more channels, you have the uh, what we call line of sight MIMO, where you are transmitting uh, more carriers into the same frequency bands uh, where you have some orthogonality between those carriers. You can sort out basically. So, so, you, so, so MIMO is the last resource to increase the capacity sort of in those bands. But then, of course, in the lower bands, you can also try to do this kind of multiband booster technology as well. Uh, and, and add a high frequency band with, with a wider channel and more capacity and, and, and link them together, sort of. And if you combined a few of those techniques, not necessarily all of them, is it feasible to double or, or maybe quadruple the data capacity, data rates? Yeah, so so if you if you go with MIMO, you, you're basically doubling the, the capacity. If you are adding a carrier, normally you are basically then uh, doubling also the capacity. If you're adding a high high frequency using multiband booster, you can do more than doubling. So you can maybe do a quadruple or, or even more capacity in once, depending on the channel size and number of carriers, basically. Interesting. Energy efficiency, as you know, is key for operators and uh on the base station side, we hear a lot about the power amplifiers in base stations and moving to gallium nitride uh, transistors to improve efficiency. Where do point-to-point radios fit in the Pareto of power consumption for an operator, and what's being done to reduce the power consumption of the radio? I think in general we are doing almost the same things in radio access and, and fixed service microwave. Of course, it's different uh, frequencies and so on, but try to use the same uh, methods. We are also using gallium nitride uh, to reduce the, the power consumption in power amplifiers, for example. And then we have other uh, more advanced technology to, to reduce or, or to increase the energy efficiency as such. But if you take a 20 years perspective into this, we have seen that um, increasing the, the channels is, is one thing. Uh, increasing modulation schemes is also then giving you uh, at least an energy efficiency point of view, where you, you are reducing the power consumption over the transmitted capacity. So it's, it's watt per megabit per second. So th- that is a good trend from that perspective. You, you need less power per transmitted megabit per second, sort of. Then we also have uh, what we in Ericsson call carrier aggregation technology, uh, where you are transmitting two carriers over one transmitter. So you save, so you can also save power by using this kind of more advanced uh, technology. So, so uh, those, those things are, are reducing the, the power consumption as such. Then we have other techniques, for example, 
what we call traffic aware power saving functions or traffic aware output power where you can sense the traffic and try to optimize the transmit powers to save power instantly in the mechanism or you can also put carriers into a deep sleep if you want Mm. in certain um, time windows during less busy hours and then you can also save power so there are a number of ways to save power today uh, through advanced technology as such as I recall in the report, there was a, a citation, a number of uh, some of the power efficiency improvements over the years. Do you, rem- you remember that number? Yeah, yeah. So, so in total, if we look into the 6 to 42 gigahertz, we have saved from an energy efficiency point of view, uh, 10 times more efficient during the two, 20 years that we have passed now. We have been adding E-band, then it's five times. And together then we have actually a 50 times better energy efficiency compared to 20 years ago uh, in the watt per megabit per second. Mm. It's uh, quite amazing. Yeah, that is uh, very impressive. Let's talk a little bit about rural deployments. Uh, It seems if you're, you're building a network in a rural region, you want to maximize the link distance at the same time, maintaining very high data rates. Talk a little bit about the challenge there and how those challenges are being addressed. So uh, I guess you, you you talk about a bit more of on the rural parts, right? Uh, right. What, what we can do in in those um, uh, in those areas. So so in in rural parts, we see that um, in for the five G in rural, we see that. Uh, Systems like long-haul systems can play a vital role. And and those are technologies where you have um, uh, channel branching filters that very efficient combine uh, several carriers with uh, as little loss as possible, basically, um, in the lower frequency bands. So, So here we can do things to also address footprint and also um, power consumption by using uh, some some more technologies like the carrier technology that I talked about. We can use that also into the long-haul domain and, and save uh, hardwares basically in that field. And that will give you uh, a good also power saving from that perspective. You can also, by doing that, uh, also then uh, increase the capacities with with the same put footprint you can uh, we as in our report we we claim that you can increase the capacities by 50% uh, with the same with the same footprint and with the same power consumptions mm. over the years i've heard predictions that uh, microwave radio's share of backhaul data capacity or say base station connections would decline because radio just couldn't keep up with the required data rates. Yet, that clearly has not happened. Uh, What's Ericsson's outlook for the microwave backhaul market over the next, say, three to five years? That that statement that uh, will, will, for every new generation of of, uh, radio access technology, we have that discussion, will will, uh, microwave really... uh, uh, keep up with the capacities, and so far we have we have really kept kept up uh, well. So today we we can do capacities of ten gigabit uh, basically everywhere or any distance from from one point to another point. Uh, we can do up to actually 
20 gigabit using the e-band today. Mm. And we see, uh, we see that with the introduction of, of, of W and E-band, we have a way forward to maybe achieve also 100 gigabit per second. That is something we have, we have done that kind of things uh, together with operators uh, already in, in, the, in a research domain sort of prove that this, this is possible. So we foresee that that um, uh, microwave will play a, a, a big role the next coming five years uh, for the 5G NR evolution and also also into the 6G. So so E band and the millimeter wave bands will play a, a vital role to keep up with the capacities, both standalone but also multi band uh, as talked about. So any prediction of the demise of microwave radio is likely to be proven wrong over the next uh, decade for sure. Yes. At the start, you mentioned your long tenure in this area. Uh, Reflect, if you will, the changes that you've seen. How has the, uh, the radio market evolved from your perspective as you've observed it these past 20 plus years? Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's that's something to reflect upon, definitely. So, <laughs> so it's it's. Uh, I think we we the most astonishing. I think we we already touched upon, and that's the the capacities uh, that that uh, almost thirty years ago we talked about um, a couple of megabit per second that we 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 transmitted over. Uh, uh, over the air, still using, uh, we could use, for example, 15 or 23 gigahertz, and we use that today. But today we, we can provide 10 gigabit over over the air uh, using higher modulation, wider channels, and then multiple carriers. So I think that's that's quite uh, quite astonishing uh, to think about that. Then, of course, we we have another. St- Another way is we have gone from from a TDM-based uh, technology into a fully Ethernet packet-based system. That is also very very cool from that perspective. <laughs> oh, that's right. I remember those uh, those discussions when the market was evolving to packet-based. Definitely. So, a lot of things has 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 happened, of course. Uh, so it's but just just mention a few things. So. Well, are there any other points from the uh, latest Microwave Outlook report that you'd like to mention that uh, we haven't covered? Uh, let's see, what have we talked about? I think uh, we talked about E-band. It is, uh, it is definitely a, a band that is today widely deployed. Uh, it's globally deployed uh, as well. So we, we said in the report today, 6, 6% of all transceivers in the world are an E-band transceiver. So I think that is, that is amazing. Uh, so a, a very good uptake in the industry. And now... It's almost with the introduction in India as well, we will see that globally. Um, um, I think uh, something we haven't discussed, we had an article around how to maximize the capacity into a spectrum limit in network, which is quite cool. Uh, That will require, of course, uh, more block allocated uh, spectrum. Compare the usage on on, on frequency reuse 2 versus frequency reuse 1. So frequency reuse 1 is basically you have one channel in the whole network and then you can use a wider channel. And, and by that, you can actually increase the overall capacity in the network. 
so I think that's also quite cool to see what what more tools we can use for the future as well. Uh, since Spectrum is scarce, uh, wider channels will give um, less available channels over time. Well, where will uh, our listeners find the report so they can read all the details? It is available on Ericsson.com uh, page. Um, it's it's an Ericsson microwave report for 2022. And you publish these once a year? We publish that once a year. This year it is the ninth edition. So we have done this uh, nine years in a row. So it's it's very uh, it's a fascinating work to 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 do this uh, every year to predict the future and say what what are the new trends. Well, thank you. I've been uh, following it and reading it for a number of years, and I say uh, Ericsson has done a very nice job really providing a good overview of the network and then uh, also, as you say, being uh, courageous enough to make some predictions about the future. Thank you, Gary. Well, Mikhail, thank you very much for joining us and giving us an update on the state of microwave radio. Thanks. I appreciate it uh, having this discussion, Gary. 